Welcome back, dear listeners, to this year's first edition of the International Informant. I have to say, it feels good to be back. I hope all our listeners had an excellent break over the Christmas season and are ready for the year ahead. So without any delay, let's get into the show. Firstly, in Libya, could there be an end to the 11-year civil war? The UN Special Advisor to Libya has spoken of a reasonable possibility of elections being held this June. Since the overthrow of Gaddafi 11 years ago, a nation has been locked into conflicts amongst rival factions vying for power. These groups have previously agreed to hold elections before, but these plans have collapsed as late as December 2021. The UN is optimistic that this could be the one. Next, a Saudi-led coalition airstrike has killed hundreds of people in Yemen. This strike, carried out on a prison, was targeted at Houthi rebels. This strike comes after Houthi rebels attacked the UEA, killing three people. The Houthi rebels are just one of the three groups vying for control in Yemen since the start of the civil war in 2014. In Canada, the province of Quebec is set to implement a health tax that would charge citizens who are unvaccinated for COVID for non-medical reasons. This tax is hoped to relieve some of the financial burden on Quebec hospitals. As while 10% of Quebec is unvaccinated, they make up one third of hospital cases and half of those in intensive care. Lastly, in Tonga, a nearby underwater volcano eruption has caused major issues. Communication between Tonga and its counterparts has been cut and there's fears that water may have contaminated with ash. The evacuation process has started with pressure to move people from the smaller islands to the larger ones. Luckily, neighbouring New Zealand and Australia have deployed resources to assist. So those have been our stories. As always, taken from our excellent writers over at The Brief. Now, on to our guest section. So this episode's guest, as I'm sure some of our readers of The Brief will know, is one of our most talented and creative writers. So talented that she was actually chosen to launch our new side uh, journal piece, uh, The Debrief, and has written the first article. So if you could just introduce yourself, please. Hi, I'm Rachel. Uh, Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, A little bit about me. Um, I've been writing for The Brief pretty much um, since from when it started, Um, and I study history and politics. It's fantastic to have you on, Rachel. You really have been... I think everyone at YJ will agree you've been a real key player and a key pillar in helping the society get on board. So it's great to have you on. So if you could just sort of say what you're here to talk about today. Okay, so I'm here to talk about um, the um, issues on the channel between um, Calais and the British border and the significant increase of people attempting to um, make this perilous crossing um, in the last year. Okay, fantastic. So so my first question is, could you just sort of just give us... uh, an overview of the event and just in a bit more detail. Of course. So to condense a rather complex crisis into more digestible chunks, um, last year in particular witnessed um, an unprecedented flow of people um, making the crossing from Calais to the British border. Um, Over 28,000 people attempted to make the crossing, um, which is a threefold increase um, from numbers um, in previous years. 
you might remember at the end of last year on the 24th of November, we witnessed the deadliest day on the channel with 27 people um, making the crossing on a dinghy boat, um, drowning. Um, of course, this is tragic, tragic loss of life, but that, that this happened um, in the midst of winter um, really does emphasize the desperation of people um, who are making this crossing because um, typically you see a downward trend of um, these figures in the winter months um, due to the weather. Um, but actually the, the highest figures were in the winter, um, which, which does emphasize the, the severity of the situation. Um, but aside from the, the tragic loss of life and the, the dislocation of people, um, there have been a few awkward political exchanges. Um, global temperatures, um, global political temperatures have, have, really, have really heated up a bit. Um, Particularly, uh, Priti Patel, the UK Home Secretary, was uninvited um, from global talks by the French President Emmanuel Macron um, at the end of last year, um, talks which were aimed at um, resolving this issue. Now, importantly, although this is um, reminiscent of the migrant crisis in 2015, it's going to be very interesting to see how um, this issue plays out politically now that uh, Britain are no longer part of the EU. Yeah, it's um, funny enough that you mentioned the 2050 migrant crisis. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware of that previous migrant crisis. So my next question for you is, what is the causation of this migrant crisis? Is this a continuation directly linked to the 2015 crisis or is this a new situation in itself? Um, I think there are certainly links between the 2015 crisis um, and the situation that we're in now. It, it's very difficult to pin this down to um, a particular causation, but there are a few um, important factors that have contributed to this rise recently. So in particular, um, there have been um, record low levels of processing um, of asylum claims. So there are huge delays in the system, a massive backlog of people who are seeking asylum and can't uh, make it to the UK safely. So this means that refugee um, resettlement um, is down from 45% um, in, in 2021 um, from, from 2020 numbers. Um, so th there are few and well, declining um, numbers of safe routes to, to make it to um, the UK. Um, a question that's that's often often asked is is why Britain? Why are people making this crossing from Calais, um, which is in a safe country, um, to Britain? And there isn't really any empirical evidence to um, to support um, any answer to this. But anecdotally, um, there have been claims that um, in the minds of migrants, Britain um, appears to be a safer and more familiar country. Um, people who are making this crossing seem to have more connection with people in Britain and are more confident in speaking the language. All right, and my last question then, Rachel, is what do you think, in your opinion, is the future of this crisis? Is this something that's going to continue? I mean, is there any really viable solutions that are being considered? You know, how long are we going to be seeing these tragic you know, and dangerous crossings occur for? Okay, so a couple of things. Um, immediately, what the UK government are doing about this um, is the Nationality and Borders Bill, which is which is going through Parliament, and this is this is intended to curb um, migration. So, unfortunately, that the reception of this bill hasn't been um, hasn't been the best. Um, there have been um, 
there has been a lot of scepticism about how effective it's going to be, considering the people that are making this crossing often don't know the, the legal particularities of border policy. Um, uh, so there, there is a bit of scepticism about how effective this is going to be. Um, another aspect of this issue, um, really at the root of it, is, is the inhospitable conditions of the places that the, these migrants are fleeing from. Um, so to, to resolve this, you really need um, a lot of international, global cooperation and international aid in particular. So cuts to Britain's age budget um, from 0.7% to 0.5% of GDP recently um, really, really won't um, help with this crisis. I think one other thing that's important to note is, although um, this is a significant increase um, in migration, but particularly on this channel, um, it's, it's important to compare this to other EU countries. So last year, um, over 120,000 migrants um, came into the Mediterranean, uh, came into Europe through the Mediterranean, which is significantly more than the people who use this crossing. So, of course, it's a significant increase um, within Britain, but it's important to see it in, in a wider European context. Well, that's all I've got time for, I'm afraid. But thank you, Rachel. You've been an absolute fantastic guest. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much for having me on. Well, that's been our show. Thank you to our fantastic guest, writers, and of course, you dear listener. Until next time, stay safe and goodbye.